Well, good morning, New Hope. It's good to see you on this Palm Sunday. God is still good. Uh, the church goes on. The church hasn't gone uh, on vacation. The church goes on and the church is healthy and God's people are, are drawing communication with one another. And uh, we actually have a couple new members of our church. Uh, the, these folks have applied for membership. This is Norm and Brenda Hartman and Ed Marty. And they've applied for membership and our elders have approved them. So uh, we can't wait till this COVID-19 break is over and we can get to reconnect with them face to face. So uh, God is good. Uh, you know, we're, we're dealing, actually, our, let me just tell you this. Our text is in Luke 19 and we're going to turn there and read that together in just a minute. Uh, but this COVID-19 thing is, a, uh, is the issue that's caused us to separate. It's why we have to do church like this. Uh, just check the numbers uh, in the world. As of right now, over one million people have contracted this COVID-19. In the United States, in our country, over 278,000 right now have this COVID-19. In our own state, Indiana, which is kind of removed from the epicenters, uh, there's 2,500 cases of coronavirus in our state uh, and I, I saw some stats on locally and counties around here that keeps changing all the time if it wasn't for us keeping separate from each other this would have already decimated our area but so far it's still a minimal number and uh, we need to look at this carefully this is a plague that's come on our country of biblical proportions this is something that comes out of a science fiction, fiction movie or the book of Revelation. This is a serious thing, and I get a little bit upset with people who try to minimize it and say, well, this isn't a problem. Uh, that's like an ostrich sticks his head in the sand and pretends it's not there. This is a, a big issue. It's the kind of thing we see again and again in the Old Testament when God was trying to wake his people up. He would allow a plague like this to come across the land and it would, would paralyze their economy. It would paralyze their well-being. It would put fear in people's hearts. And God, it was a, every time it was an, a, um, an affront that God would bring to God's people to bring them back to Him. God wants to bring us to a place of revival. He wants Christians who have been trusting in their bank account, people who have been trusting in their physical well-being, He wants them to be brought to their knees. Uh, and we're all feeling the effect of this. And we need to look at this very seriously. We need to see this as something that had to pass through God's hand to get to us, to wake us up. And we need to understand that whenever God does something like this, spiritual people need to speak up and address it and bring people back to God. But at the same time, there will be people who will rise up, say they're speaking on behalf of God, and try to point a finger at individuals. Blame China, or the president, or the Democrats, or somebody in the president's advisory team. Want to blame somebody. And I want to say that's a false prophet that tries to turn this into a human tragedy instead of a spiritual tragedy. Because if it's a spiritual tragedy, we need to get back to God. 
We need to come back to Him. And I see God doing this all the time in the last couple days. God is stirring people to get right with God. So in the middle of the bad news, there is good news. And Palm Sunday was all about the good news. And that brings us to the, uh, the story that I want to read in Luke chapter 19. And we're going to start reading in verse 28. And we're going to read through the story. And then I've got some comments to share about it. After Jesus had, I'm reading starting in verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. See, this is why we're calling this series The Steps That Jesus Took, Going to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And they were un as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. This is one of those stories that's recorded in all four Gospels. It's that significant. It's that big. And uh, we want to draw a couple thoughts out of this from the perspective of the donkey. Because I think the donkey has a prominent role here. And the first thing I want us to see, if you'd, if you'd like to take notes, we don't have a paper for you to fill in the blanks, but you can write this down, help you retain it. The Lord needs that donkey. Now he could come into, he could have angels fly him into the, into the city of Jerusalem, but he needs that donkey. There's a reason he needs that donkey. You see, that, that donkey was significant in the lives of the owners. Somebody owned that donkey. And either they were going to sell the donkey, or they were going to use the donkey, but they had plans for that donkey. He was a significant part of their lives. And the Lord needs that donkey. And so he sent his disciples ahead, told them exactly what was going to happen. When they would get there, somebody's going to object and here's what you say to the objectors, because the Lord needs that donkey. See, he was a called donkey. Donkeys are beasts of burden. Their purpose in life is to carry a load. And the Lord needs that donkey. He's called. I believe there's a lot of us I'm talking to right now as I'm looking into the camera and the, and the camera's projecting into uh, your living rooms or your bedroom, wherever you're watching this. And I believe the Lord wants to say He's calling you to be a beast of burden that you can carry the good news to your neighborhood, carry the good news to your place of employment, carry the good news to people who are scared, people who, who are panicked. You can give them comfort <clears throat> that comes through Jesus Christ. So He was a called donkey. But the other thing I want us to see is He was a calmed 
donkey. In times of crisis, the people that God wants to use have got to keep their heads. We've got to be calm. Donkeys are known to put up a fight. They don't want to be used. They want to do what they want to do. Donkeys will bite. Donkeys will kick with their back feet, their front feet. They will sit down and will not move, just like us humans. But the Lord needs that donkey. The Lord needs you. He limits himself to doing things in this earth, working through you and I. So this donkey had to be loosed. See, he was tied up. What do you suppose being tied up represents? Being in bondage. He had lost his freedom. He didn't have freedom. He wanted to be free, but he couldn't have freedom. He was tied up. He told his disciples to go get that donkey and untie it. And I believe if you and I see ourselves as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to go and untie some bound up people, some bound up donkeys, so that the Lord can use them. That's one of the things that we need to do. Because when a new Christian comes to Christ, they always bring baggage from the old life. And somebody needs to untie them, set them free, so that the Lord can use them. Why did the Lord need a donkey? It comes from an Old Testament prophecy that Jesus knew, and certainly people all through uh, the land of Jerusalem would have recognized this. It's Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, when Messiah comes, when he comes, he's going to be riding on a donkey. And so Jesus has to fulfill that prediction. Now, we do have an image of a donkey that you'll probably recognize. It's Eeyore. Eeyore's a donkey. You know, Walt Disney made him famous. Eeyore is a donkey that needs some deliverance. See, he's lost his tail. And he needs somebody to help him find his tail. Maybe you can help some donkey you know find their tail and pin it on. But even when the, the tail gets pinned on the donkey, Eeyore is still, woe is me, woe is me. Now I know this COVID-19 thing has affected you, but that is not a biblical response. To be filled with fear and worry and fret is not the way Christians respond because we have faith in a holy God who knows all. He knew all this before it happened. It had to pass through his hand to get to it for the life of a Christian. So that's good news. So you can help Eeyore put his tail back on. But don't applaud him because he's not responding the way he should be responding. Like that wise old sage Charlie Chan once said, if you make friends with a donkey, you can expect to get kicked. Jesus will calm you down if you trust in him. He'll take away your fear. He'll take away your anxiety. He's got a plan for you. Just give your life to Jesus. Then there's a second thing I want us to see about the donkey. Not only does the Lord need that donkey, he uses the donkey. He will put this donkey to work. When that donkey gets there, 
Jesus knows exactly what he's going to do with that donkey. He's going to get on him and take a ride. Oh, but there's a problem. This donkey has never been ridden before. Nobody has ever put any weight on this donkey before. There's a problem. There's a problem. But Jesus is going to calm that donkey. He's going to get on that donkey who's never been ridden, and that donkey is not going to put up any kind of a fight because he's given up the fight. If you want God to use you, if you want to be a beast of burden that God can use, that's an amazing thing that God would choose you, that God would uh, let you know who he is and want to work through you. That's, that's a, an amazing thing. I was listening on the news this last week about the, the uh, captain of that ship, that mercy ship, that hospital ship that arrived in New York Harbor uh, to help with a crisis there. Uh, and they were interviewing him. And he said as he pulled into that harbor, he just had this sense come over him that he was a part, that this <clears throat> was the most significant thing in his life, that he could play a part in helping others. And I thought to myself, I want maybe perhaps this, this what's happening right now in, in April of 2019, maybe this could be the most significant time of my life. Maybe this is a time when I could be speaking hope into the lives of people that desperately need it. You see, donkeys are not just stubborn. Donkeys are also humble. I mean, which western cowboy hero ever rode into town on a donkey? I mean, donkeys are kind of a humble thing. They, they want to ride in on a white horse. That makes them look like the hero. Nobody rides in with a donkey. Donkeys are pretty humble. But Jesus wants to ride on a donkey. Why? Because this is not a humble entry into Jerusalem. No way. This entry is pretty provocative. He goes into town, and his disciples are putting down garments. They're throwing down palm branches. They're treating him like a celebrity, like he is the king. He is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. They're seeing Jesus come into town, and there is excitement pretty provocative because Jerusalem is ruled by a bunch of Jews who do not see Jesus as their king. He's trying to provoke them. He's going into town looking like the king. But he humbles himself by riding on a donkey, a young donkey. His feet are almost touching the ground. He's humbled himself in an amazing moment in time. He is trying to provoke the Jews in Jerusalem to take action that will lead to Good Friday. He's trying to provoke it, although he's doing it in a humble fashion. That was the first time he came to Jerusalem. Did you know that the Bible says Jesus is going to come back again? That's going to be the second coming. And he told his disciples what it was going to look like when he came back. And I want to encourage you, write this down so that this afternoon, after, after you've had Sunday dinner, this afternoon, 
I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. I don't care what version you use. Read Matthew 24. Jesus says this is what it's going to look like just before he comes back. Read through that and ask yourself if you think this might be the forerunner of that event, or those events he's describing in Matthew 24. You see, the people had gotten careless. And I think I'm prophesying right now when I tell you America has gotten careless. We have turned the stock market into our God. We have, we have turned look, looking like models, our health, we've turned it into a God. And God is trying to bring us back to Him to humble our pride. And he, He's more concerned about lost souls than he is about filling up your bank account. So we need to get refocused on God. And then there's no reason for the plague to survive anymore. Someone had this great idea some years ago about uh, putting a bumper sticker on cars that said, Honk if you love Jesus. Now that's a real spiritual thing to do if you love Jesus. Honk your horn. Anybody can honk. You don't have to be a man or woman of faith to honk a car. Honk the horn. Honk if you love Jesus. I, I think that's kind of immature. So I'm going to try to be an entrepreneur and come up with a new suggestion of a bumper sticker you might want to put on your car. Maybe you could put a bumper sticker up that would say, Tithe if you love Jesus. Now, that's a much better measurement of how much we care about Jesus, to tithe if we love Jesus. I mean, is, is money our God? Or is God our God? Maybe we should tithe if we love Jesus. Just before we started this service, we had a prayer time out in the, uh, the parking lot, and some guy pulled through the parking lot, doesn't even come to our church, and handed an offering to one of the people out there praying that he wanted to go to the church. He doesn't even come here. And he pulled through because he saw people out here praying. If you love Jesus, tithe. See God as your provider. If you've lost your job, then you don't have an income. It's based on your increase. But if you're still working a job, continue that, even in the crisis. So, Tithe if you love Jesus. That'd be a good idea for a bumper sticker. Or, or here's another idea. Serve if you love Jesus. Do something with your faith besides sitting home watching Christian TV. Do something with it. Take action. For example, some of the people I'm talking to right now, your income is the same as it was before this COVID-19 thing. Your income has stayed the same. You're still working. Your income's coming in. But the government has decided to give you a stimulus check. You're right where you were before. What are you going to do with that stimulus check? I suggest that you look around you in this world to people who have lost their jobs, people who don't have an income, people who are scared, and ask yourself, how can I use my stimulus check to help somebody else who's in tough time. That's what you call serving. Look around you. 
you will see it. Ask God how you can serve someone else. Uh, here's a third idea for a bumper sticker. How about one that says, pray if you love Jesus. Praying is something that's significant. It changes things. When you pray, it goes to God. God hears it, and He does answer. He does respond. We've been praying for a, a man that we have connections with. I, I consider him a friend uh, who's been in the hospital for a week in Fort Wayne with COVID-19, fighting for his life. And we sent out a prayer request for people on the prayer team to pray for him. People prayed, and the next morning, his fever was down to 98. God is so good. He broke that. That's direct answer to prayer. God wants us to pray. We've been too busy praying. We've, or not praying. We've been too busy with our affairs, doing this and doing that, to spend time with God. And he's letting these things happen to remind us that we need to get back to God and connecting with Him. So, I don't know if that donkey actually thought all that praise was for him or not, but perhaps he got to thinking that. Heard the story about an old man and a young boy and a donkey that had to go on a journey. So they were walking down the street together. And some of the neighbors observed what was happening. And the neighbors began to talk. And they said, look at that. There's a donkey and two people walking beside him. Don't they know that that donkey should be carrying weight? That donkey, is a, his purpose is to carry weight and they're walking along beside him. Look at that, would you? And the old man heard it. And so he got up on the donkey. And they went on down the street, and they got about a block away. And some more neighbors observed, looked out, saw the old man riding on the donkey and the boy walking. And they began complaining. Look at that, would you? That perfectly capable man's riding on the back of that donkey. And that poor young kid is walking along by his side, has to do all the walking. What's wrong with this picture? So the old man heard it. He got down off the donkey, put the boy up on the donkey. On down the road they went. They got about a block away, and more neighbors observed what was happening. And they said, look at that. This perfectly healthy boy is riding on the back of the donkey, and this poor little old, old man is walking along beside. This shouldn't be. What's wrong with this? And the old man heard it. So... He got up on the donkey along with the boy. And the donkey was carrying them all. They got to the next block and more neighbors came out. They began complaining. And they said, would you look at that? There's this old man and this young boy riding on that poor donkey. And he's all weighted down. How unfair is that? So the old man and the boy got down off the donkey and they all three walked down the road. You see, if you listen to people's complaints and gripes and their opinions on how it would be better, if you listen to that, you're going to end up right where you started. You're not going to make any progress. Don't be listening to what everybody else is saying. Listen to what God's saying. Get around godly people. Listen to what godly people are saying. That's how you're going to hear from the Lord. So that takes us to the third thing I want us to see about the donkey, and that is... 
the Lord returns the donkey. Now, the Bible doesn't say what happened, but I'm supposing, knowing Jesus like I do, his life was full of borrowing, borrowing, borrowing. He didn't have to possess and own. He just borrowed and used his way through life. I can imagine Jesus sent the donkey back, back to where he originated. And the donkey probably went back feeling a little better about himself because he had been a part of the most significant thing in his lifetime, that God would use him to make a difference in the most important event in history. Jesus coming to Jerusalem to pay the price for sin. And maybe when they, maybe when they turn, tied the donkey back up again, maybe they said something like, Well done, good and faithful servant. You did what you were asked to do. And I've seen many times in my life God would use me. And as soon as he was done using me, that event was over. And then he would use me in another way. And then that event was over. The donkey had made Jesus famous. I want to be a donkey that makes Jesus famous. So, I'll close with this. Jesus borrowed a crib. He borrowed a boat. He borrowed a donkey. And he borrowed a tomb. The only thing Jesus ever purchased in his life was my lost soul. That's why he came. Perhaps he's coming for you. Perhaps he's coming because he wants to make, he wants to make things right with you. Maybe this should be a time when you get serious with God. Now, you believe in God, but maybe it's time to get serious I mean, God has made it clear to us. He's serious. We need to get right. If you haven't yet committed your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to make a decision right now to do that. To let His peace flood your heart in the middle of chaos. God will begin to speak to you like He's never spoken before. This can be the greatest moment of your life. You can be a part of doing something significant in this time. There's a place there at the bottom where you can, where you can click. It says, raise my hand. If we were in church, I would say, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand? All you have to do is click that. Jesus sees you clicked it. It's a step you're taking forward. Let the Lord cleanse your life. Let Him move in. Take residence. Begin to guide you like you've never been guided before. He loves you more than you will ever know. Lord Jesus, do the work in hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.